Because it's speaking to who we are now as kingdom people. Who we are now as those who, who God lives within, who've been and are being transformed. That's why it starts with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes aren't something that we do, it's something that we are and live into and out of because of what Christ has done. It flows out of us abiding or making our home or living in Christ, however you want to translate that, word, that Greek word. To remain in Christ as Christ remains in us. And Colossians chapter 2 reminds us that rules such as do not taste, do not touch, they seem like they are wise, but they're of no use. So you might say, well, why is Jesus saying do not all the time? Great question. So thank you for asking that. Because I was thinking about that as well. Because do nots don't help. Do not think of, and then you think of that. Do not, you know, you tell your kids, okay, I'm going to leave the room for a moment. Whatever, you know, please do not stick that hot dog in your ear while I'm gone. Well, guess what? They're come, here, come back, and there's a hot dog in their ear. That's, who, that's how we are. And I think what Jesus is reminding us or saying with the do nots is, this is how you tend to be. This is your default. This is what it looks like not to live in the kingdom. This is what it looks like not to have Christ abide in you. Because he never leaves us with do nots. He then points us to what we are to, to live into. And it's always tied, I, I like the song that Ben chose for today, because it's always tied to who God is. We can only live this life because of who God is. And so we need to know who we are, and we need to know who God is. And over and over and over again, as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has told us who God is. And one of the words that Jesus likes to use, uses it 44 times in the book of Matthew, referring to God as Father. And over a third of those times, that, that designation of God as Father is found within, within the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Fifteen times the word Father is, is found there. But what, what Jesus is telling us is, remember who God is. And there was a phrase in Ben's song um, that he sang, said, talked about the reckless, overwhelming, never-ending love of God. That's, that's what Jesus is telling us. The reason we can live this way is twofold. First, we are a new creation. The Beatitudes describe who we are and who we are becoming. Secondly, now we have this unique relationship with God. God as Abba, God as Papa, God as Daddy, God as Father. Which means God cares for us. God's involved in our lives. God walks with us. And we saw that in our passage last week where it talks about the do not, do not be anxious. Why? Because of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And so when you hear and see those do nots, don't get stuck on that. Don't even really focus much on that. Focus on what follows that. What's it mean to, to live true to who we are and to who God is? So the first slide I, I want to bring up are the Beatitudes. Last time I spoke, I spoke on these Beatitudes. And what I want you to do now is I'm going to read our passage. I'm going to pause, because there's basically five sections in our passage. 
And I'm going to pause, and I want you to ask, answer this question. What beatitude relates best to these verses, to this passage? Because that's how we look at these things. We live true to who God created us to be and who's God, who God is creating us to be. You know, sometimes you look and say, you, you sort of judge your, uh, how good you do by how many people applaud or whatever. But in this church, it's how many people take pictures. So one picture has already been taken of one of my slides. It's pretty cool. Uh, so if you're playing at home, that's one for me. <laughs> so I gotta read these, because these are the Beatitudes. This is who we are to be. We don't make this happen, we live into it, because this is what the Holy Spirit's curating within our hearts. And so as we abide in Christ, as we spend time with God, these things begin to develop within us, forming and shaping us so that we can live from the inside out. See, in, in Matthew 5, I think it's verse 20, right around there somewhere, says that our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. And really, everything that follows is saying what that looks like. But what that means is the righteousness of the Pharisees was an outside living. In other words, how other people perceive me, that's what I care about. The righteousness that's, that exceeds that of the Pharisees is that inside-out living that flows from a changed heart. And that's what the Beatitudes reflect on. This is the heart of someone who knows Jesus. And not that we do these perfectly, but this is, this is who we are. So, let me read the passage, and I'll pause, and then you choose which the attitude you think works best. There's no right or wrong answer. I'll tell you the right answers. But, but for, for your sake, there is no really right or, right or wrong answer. Okay, Matthew 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. What attitude would help us to, to live contrary to that? What attitude might... And don't answer out loud, just think to yourself. Would be the antidote to do not judge. And continuing, why do you look at the speck or sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay. What beatitude, or beatitudes, so actually we've done a couple for that one, would you see as the antidote to this default way of living? All right. Verse six. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls before pigs. If you do not, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What beatitude? I can speak to that. Actually, I have three that I chose for that one. Next one. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find, and him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? What pass, what beatitude might reflect or be the antidote on that one? And then finally, what we know as the golden rule, in everything you do to others, in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Which beatitude would you relate to that passage? As we go through the passages, I'll talk about the Beatitudes. I think we'll get to that. And so we're, so basically this is like a seven-point sermon. We're only supposed to do three. But they're sort of brief. We're trying, we're covering a lot of material because that's what Andy has me do. Um, so let's go to the next slide. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way, judge others. And so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the book under our passage, and they relate to each other. They, they sort of encapsulate what this is talking about. Really what, what Jesus is saying in these 12 verses is, how you want others to treat you, treat them. Whether it's judging, whether it's speaking with somebody, whether it's, it's how you live life every day. We'll come back to this at the end. But that's, that's what keeps this whole section together. This, this concern for others. Let's bring up the next slide. I think it's encapsulated by Philippians 2, 3 through 4. That says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So nothing, you're not looking at for your own personal interests, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, and each of you to the interest of others. So what is that saying? Serving others, loving others. Next passage. And it's interesting, it ends, 12, verse 12 ends with, that sums up the law and the prophets. And of course, if you know Matthew, then one of the verses that would come to your mind is Matthew 22, where it talks about what Jesus is saying, is saying here's what fulfills the law. It's love of God and love of others. Then in Romans 13, 8, Paul basically says the same thing. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And then in Galatians 5, Paul continues, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So these bookends are talking about loving others, about being there for, for each other. And it flows out of a love for God, as Jesus tells us. We love God, and then we love others as ourselves. But that's what the Beatitudes really are talking about over and over again. How do we love well? Anger? No. Lust? No. Praying to others who think we're great? No. Worrying? No. Judging? No. Loving others is, is, want, is living in such a way that we're saying to them, this is how I would want you to treat me. This is how I would want you to judge me, to interact with me. Not looking at what we want, 
in a sense, but looking at what serves them. Of course, that's the heart of Christianity. The mark of a Christian is, is love. Love one another, it says in chapter, in chapter 13 of John. And so that's what we're called to. So now, let's begin to look at our passage. Do not judge, lest you be judged, for in the same way you judge, others will judge you. So this is saying sort of the same thing. How do you want to be judged? Well, I'll tell you how I want to be judged. I want to be judged with grace and mercy. So that's how I need to judge others. To extend grace, to extend mercy, to give them the benefit of the doubts. And yet, we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to, to point the finger at someone else. And of course, in our next little passage, we're going to, Jesus is going to talk about that. There's a, there's a great, oh, what's our next slide? Do not judge, stated as a positive, which brings us to our first song, and really the title of our series, Be Merciful. Do not be judged. Well, to say that in the positive is be merciful. Am I merciful to others? And a little side note, this will not be on the final, is this. It starts with you. You know who we're often hardest on? Ourselves. It starts with us owning the forgiveness that God has given us, owning the mercy that God extends to us, embracing the grace that, that God showers upon us. And then as we own those things, of course we're going to give the same to others. But it begins with, with our willingness to, to not judge ourselves when we do something, quote, stupid, something bad, something whatever it may be, but allow it to take us to God and realize once again that we are forgiven, that God extends mercy and God extends grace to us, moment by moment, day after day, because that's what we need. And of course, that's what everyone else needs as well. There's a passage in James, James chapter 2.13, that says, it's the end of the passage, and it just says this, mercy trumps judgment. Isn't that great? Mercy wins. I like to say love wins, but this passage says, no, mercy. Mercy is greater than judgment. So, so this passage isn't really saying, do not judge. Okay, Andrew. Next, here's our, here's our big finale. Mind blown. That's supposed to like come up shorts, but we don't know how to do that. Um, but yeah, this, this doesn't say do not judge. That's not what it's really talking about. But we can get fixated on that. And you hear people, who are you to judge me? That's not what this is talking about. It's, it's inviting us to, to interact with people in a way that leads to health, leads to transformation, leads to, to wholeness and a hope. Judging doesn't do that. But it says do not judge. So you might say, well, it says do not judge. What are you talking about? Well, let's look at the word judge for a moment. Because judge, judge tends to be a negative term. Oh, next slide. But it can mean evaluate, discern, separate, decide. Next. And so, oh, <laughs> here's our word for the day. You know, I must have read nine books for this thing, at least. Um, and like five of them had this word 
sensorious, sensorious, which I never heard of. I had to listen to it to see how it sound, sounded. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe some of you are going to be taking the SAT soon. So this might be a word on it. It just means to be harsh or critical. But it just is funny to me that people have to write in that way. Anyway, um, not that I'm judging. <laughs> Condem but it, can mean, it means condemning, making a negative evaluation of others without standing in solidarity with them. It's deconstruction, tearing, tearing apart, but not helping put back together. It's, there, there's, there's, oh wait, there's another thing I wrote that I was thinking about. Um, it ascribes unworthy motives to another. I think that's where it's really subtle. That we're, we're putting motives on someone. We don't know what their motives are. We never know what they are. Sometimes I don't know what my motives are. But we, we say, oh, they're doing that because they're, I don't know that. I don't know the whole story behind that. There's been a lot of judging this week around the guy, around the actions of a guy named, I think his name is Will Smith, former prince, Academy Award winner. And I don't know what was going on in all that. Now, the action itself, yes. And it's interesting. It reminded me of our passage earlier, Turn the Other Cheek. What did Chris Rock do? Put a hand on his back, and he stood there, and he slapped him. And that was it. It didn't escalate. Then, you know, Will Smith went back to his seat and said some things. But that was quite interesting. I don't know what's going on with him, but it's like, whoa. He was able to do that. Quite amazing. But we tend to judge. We tend to put all these motives on this. We say, well, look at this thing. Look at this thing. Look what's going on. I don't know what's going on. There's a story there. It's not my story. But we tend to judge, and there's tend to be a harshness. So when it says, do not judge, it's really saying, do not be harsh. Do not destroy. Do not attribute unworthy motives to another because you don't know their hearts. And there's two reasons that people tend to judge. One is to, to fix people. Christians are great, or I don't know if great is the right word, but do that. I'm going to fix you. And it sounds sort of good, I guess, but does anyone know what happens when you fix an animal? It's not good. You actually break it. It doesn't work anymore. That dog's fixed. Not doing what he used to do. So fix, I don't think that's a great term either. <laughs> Stay away, I don't want to be fixed. Anyway. Um, so, and the other reason is it makes us feel better about ourselves. I'm not that person, I'm better than that person. None, neither of those are good motives. My motive needs to be, what's it mean to love this person? To be there for them. What if I was a friend of Will Smith? What would it be like to come alongside and Will, what was going on there? What was happening? Helping, helping him to figure it out, to, to deal with it in a positive, helpful way for the future. Okay, next one. So the next passage is the one we know pretty well, log versus speck. And what it's, it's not saying don't judge. It's saying take care of your own business first. So what is the attitude that I relate to this one? Is 
Poor in spirit. I know I've got stuff that I'm working on. I know there's stuff I'm struggling with. I know that I need God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness every day. I didn't know that. That's poor in spirit. And so I can come and be gentle. First with myself, and then with the next person. And so what, what Jesus is saying here is, look at your own life first. In honesty, not in condemnation, not saying, I'm such, such a terrible person, but just in reality. Yes, I need Jesus. Yes, I struggle. Yes, I'm not there. You know, like Andy, yes, I ate a whole box of gummy worms, and I tried to give up sweets. Yeah, that's who he is. And then he asked us to give up. Anyway, um, so poor in spirit, meek. Meek, we don't force it. We invite it into them into a conversation. And there's a passage in, in Galatians that says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. So it's interesting, this passage ends, the section where we can get caught up into, oh man, we, who, we really can't judge. We've got to do our own work. Yes, so that, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, we have a responsibility to one another. Come alongside and say, hey, what's going on? You know, it seems like you're, you know, there's a lot of anger coming from you these days. Tell me your story. Tell me what, what, what are you carrying inside? See, that's, that's different than this deconstruction, this you're a bad person. There's a gentleness that comes out of my own stuff, realizing and owning it. So I can come alongside my brother, my sister, in a positive way, giving grace, giving mercy, so that other person can, there's a passage that says that, that God may grant them repentance and Timothy, that they may turn to God in this. Because I'm not their savior. But maybe I can point them the truth and remind them that God loves them and that God is for them, which Jesus has been telling us over and over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. So be gentle. The next passage is sort of interesting. Let's see what my next slide is. Dogs and pigs. Again, don't throw your pearls before, I, I memorized this, don't throw your pearls before swine. And that sounds like, doesn't that sound like sort of a judgment? Or let's, let's call it discerning or evaluating? But those are pretty harsh terms. You're a dog, you're a, you're a pig, so I'm not going to say anything. And we can get caught up in that. That's not really what it's saying. Pigs aren't really fans of pearls. They don't really feed them. They're, it's worthless to them. Giving dogs what is holy doesn't make any sense. And so, so what Jesus is saying is to be wise. And sometimes truth isn't, the person isn't able to hear truth. That's not going to be helpful. It actually could be harmful. And we need to discern that. So what are the Beatitudes that relate to that? First, to be meek, to not force it. Secondly, to be a peacemaker, to sometimes say, no, this is not the time or place. 
Now, we're, we do safe families. What we're doing with safe families is we're showing, indeed and in truth, hey, God loves you. And we're not cramming the gospel down their throats. I mean, you could do that or try to do that. That wouldn't be helpful. But what we're doing is demonstrating the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And hoping that that, that that love that is transformative will transform. So that maybe there will be a time where circumstances change, but we can have that conversation. Because right now, those families are just trying to survive. We're a little respite for them to get their, begin to get their life together. And then we can point them to, to the rock upon which they can stand. Then we can point them to, to the person of hope personified in Jesus. Then we can share the, the marvelous truth of who God is and what God desires for, for them as an individual and as a family. But sometimes that's not the time, is not the time to do that. But sometimes it is, even when they're not ready, and that's why I put the last beatitude down there, be ready to suffer attack. Because there are times that you need to say something. There are times when you need to, to take a stand, and it is not going to be accepted. And they are going to turn on you, and they may very well trample you, chew you to bits. That's where that beatitude comes in. Yeah, no, it doesn't get us, doesn't mean we don't have hard conversations. But we don't jump to that. We're led by the Spirit. We're trusting the Spirit. Okay, next slide. Oh, there's a phrase that says, silence is violence. It's a little catchphrase. But there is some truth to that. And it's to know, say, see something, say something. But to pray about that. God, is this a time where you need to say something? And the answer could be no, no, now's not the time. But maybe the time. The next or slide. Go snake, stones versus bread and fish. So again, seeking, harassing, seeking, knocking. So it sounds like this whole passage is about prayer, but really what it's about is who God is. The gravitational pull of this passage, or this section of this passage, is that God knows how to give good gifts that God is Father, that God cares about you. That's why you ask, that's why you seek, that's why you knock. And in Greek, those are um, present perfect, or present um, imperatives, which mean you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. But again, it's not, the emphasis is not on perseverance, it's on who God is. Because in our passage it says, which, which of you asks, which of you, if their son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or a fish, if they, or, a, or ask for a fish, would they give you a snake? No. You who are evil know how to give good things. Of course, unfortunately, that's not always true. But God does. So again, this isn't just about prayer, it's about the person that we, we come to with our requests. That we, we ask, we seek, we knock and believing in the goodness of God. And so, snakes and stones, what is the beatitude? Pure in heart, single focused. It said in the end of our last passage last week, seek first the kingdom of God, that's what this is talking about. And in the Lord's prayer it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is heaven. It's desiring those things. 
from this God who is good. This God is for us. This God is with us. And then next slide. Do you want to know others as you would want them to do unto you? That brings us to the end of our passage. And this is about hunger and thirsting after justice. That we want people to be, be justly treated. That we want people to, to be treated as those who have the dignity of being created in the image of God and loved by God. Every person you see that is true Creating God's image and they're loved by God. They have dignity, they have worth, they have value. And so we are to treat them thusly. Or we're to treat them as we desire to be treated. And so a great thing to do as you live your life is to ask yourself this question with the person who's, who's in front of you right now. Be you driving in a store, wherever you might be, how would I want to be treated if I was them right now? I mean, we may not know the fullness of the answer, but we'll have a sense of what that is. Courtesy, kindness, respect, honor, care, love. So we're getting on the freeway, and we know we should get over, but it's really a long line of cars, so we're trying to, to get into a little space that's going to open at some point. And I'm in the line of cars and I see that person doing it. Do I slow down a little so they can get in? Because honestly, that's what I would want. Or do I push the gas so I squeeze them out and say, yeah, good luck, buddy. Um, not this time, not on my watch. That's not doing that onto others as I would have them do to me. In the, if you ever take a driving test in Kentucky, not that you... I would recommend going to Kentucky even. But if you did, at the end of the form, it says this. Treat other drivers as you would want to be treated by other drivers. That's pretty practical. That would end road rage, wouldn't it? That would end this incessant anger that people feel on the freeway, on the roads. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us is really what it means to be salt and light. Because we're to be salt and light in a way that people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So they see there's something different about us. How we respond to people. We don't just judge right away. We don't just try to cram things down people's throats. We pray believing in the goodness of God. And people see that. And they know there's something different about us. One day, as when I was looking at the LA County Sheriff's, um, in the jails, LA County Jails, I was changing out of my, my, no, I was changing into my uniform. Another guy was changing out of his uniform. And we had done that for weeks, maybe months at that point. And he said to me, he stopped and said, hey, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, you can ask me whatever you want. I may not answer it, but uh, yeah, go ahead, ask away. And he said, Are you religious? I didn't carry a Bible, like, just like anyone else. But there's something of how I interacted, it's something that this guy saw that made them ask that question. 
And I was able to share about Jesus. There was another time where I was a watch, watch, acting watch commander at the station where I patrolled, and someone committed suicide during our watch. And whenever they, when all the deputies responded, there was there were crosses and there was a Bible and there were persons wearing themselves. So all of them, everyone in that shift came to me after the call was over and asked me this. Did that person go to heaven or did they go to hell? Now, I never really shared the gospel before that point. And since they were they were pigs, they were dogs. Wasn't the time. But there they were asking a question. And there I was able to answer. See, that's, that's the kind of life we're talking about here. But there's something about us. Paul says that there's an aroma that comes from us. But as we live out the Beatitudes, as we focus on the goodness of God, as we own our own stuff and own all that flows from across to us, we live differently. And we may not say something, but there's something that goes out. We are salt and we are light. And those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are looking for light, they will be attracted. And they will initiate conversations. St. Francis of Sisi said, preach the gospel always. And when necessary, use words. This is the life that the Sermon on the Mount is telling us or inviting us into. And it flows from, from the Beatitudes. And as we allow the transformation to take place, day by day, week by week, month by month, we become more salty. We become more bright. We do more good things. And they don't look at us. They sense there's something different about us. And they ask us, where is that coming from? What's the source? And we point them to the source and invite them into the relationship that Jesus made possible through his death and resurrection. All right, next slide. So here's the next steps that I'm giving to you. Number one, when you feel an urge to judge someone, or after you have judged another, sometimes you don't realize it until afterwards, ask yourself, what does this reveal about me? About what is in my heart? And share this with God. It's not about condemnation. I guarantee you, you're going to judge someone this week. All right, that's, now that's an opportunity to, all right, God, hey, ooh, all right, I judged somebody. Let's look at this. Because as you look at it, that's how we grow. So it's not about condemnation. It's about awareness so we can make different choices in the future. So just ask yourself the question, okay, what, is, what was that about? Number two, carry the following question with you as you make your way through this week. I would say as you make your way through life, as you interact with others, how would I like to be treated right now at work, while driving, at a supermarket, a restaurant, with others, co-workers, friends, spouses, so on and so forth? And just sort of have that in the back of your mind. Next time you're on hold, waiting for the customer service person, how would you want to be treated if that was your job? And to me, that's a hard one. 
But if I ask that question, I have a chance to respond a little differently. I have a chance to, to maybe bring some joy into the person's life. We have a chance to even share about Jesus, who knows? And then, just in terms of your life and looking at this 2022, what are you asking God for right now? And what is it that you really want? What are you seeking? What are you seeking after? And the last thing, what door are you knocking on? Maybe you don't have an answer to all those, but to begin to sit with those. What do I really want from God? What do I really want this year? What am I seeking after? And of course, you unpack all that. And what doors am I? What door am I knocking on? Maybe you're not knocking on a door right now, but maybe as you sit with that question, it's like, yeah, if I do need to knock on that door of opportunity, of challenge, of invitation, and see where it leads. What I got. So let's pray and then turn it over to him. And then.